As you know, for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, who love him, you see the tension, the pressure, the lack of room for people who have that claim to love and follow Jesus. It's shrinking in our world. And while we have not yet been threatened, most of us anyway, physically, or with imprisonment, or with death, Because of our faith, multitudes around our world every moment of every day are. And the reality is, as the gospel continues to shrink in our world by those applying pressure, not having enough room to hear it in their own lives or for people to even express that, those days may very well be coming to us. Are we ready? Unbelief is rampant in our world. And we are all called, regardless of whether it's India or it's another state or it's another country or it's locally, to share the gospel. You are placed intentionally where you are. If you are a follower of Jesus on purpose by God to influence the people in your neighborhoods, in your cubicles at work, at school, in the grocery stores, at Target, everywhere you are and go. God has intentionally placed you in those positions, in those spaces, to be a light for him and to share the gospel. The best picture, as we've talked about this before, of Jesus and the church is the love a husband has for his wife and the love that the wife has for her husband. The picture of Jesus' love for the church and the church's love for Jesus. All of us are called in that way. That is the thrust of who we are as a church family. See it all over, everything that we do. Unbelief in our world is growing. Well, this morning we're going to look at Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, and we're going to talk about ways in which we can confront this unbelief some truths about what that is, specifically looking at how unbelief suppresses the truth, produces false worship, and results in death. But before we do, read our passage for today. Let's pray. So God, we are fully dependent upon you in this moment for you to reveal your word to us. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. Let's read the entirety of these verses, and then we'll come back to them and, and revisit a few. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, 
to the, dis, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. The men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree with those who practice such things, deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So we see in this, obviously, those who choose not to believe or hold on to unbelief at some point in their lives will or have seen the reality of God and have chosen to reject him. In fact, we see in these verses how God makes himself known even in creation. We spoke of that a few weeks ago about how God is so good for those who are seeking after him or wanting something different, looking for something in their life that they're missing, even if a person were not able to physically go and share the gospel with them. Although there are moments when God does that, innumerable moments, where he'll place someone in someone else's path who is actually open, soft to the Lord to share the gospel. There are moments even when those who are seeking after him or looking for him or wondering what life is about, God will show up. As seen in creation, God is not limited by time or by space or by the things that we believe he should be limited to. He is limitless. He is God. And so for those who are desiring a relationship with him or realizing there's something in their life that is missing, he will show up and make himself known. The goodness of God, the desire that none would perish, but that all would have eternal life. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, God so loved all that he gave his son, Jesus, to live to die, and to be raised again. So these individuals who walk through life, whom we know, who claim unbelief, who run away from the truth, who have made a decision somewhere along the line that God, to them, is not real, is not personal, is not who he says he was, gives us the opportunity in those moments to be able to share the gospel and our story with them, revealing to them the truth. Now, we know that those who don't know Christ, ears are blocked, eyes are blinded, hearts are hardened, and it requires the work of the Holy Spirit to step into that person's life and reveal God, reveal himself to that individual for them to be able to hear the deaf ears open, the blind eyes open, the hardened heart softened. Our responsibility is to do exactly as Chris and Marianne 
and Phyllis to go and not only to be in a position where we serve, where we love, but to open our mouths with the gospel. It's exactly what they did. In so doing, revealing the truth to these individuals who are attempting to, trying to, or have suppressed it for the duration of their lives. It's a great quote related to truth. If you remember, Pilate and Jesus, when Jesus was arrested, went back and forth, and Pilate was actually asking the question, what is truth? If we remember back before that, Jesus saying, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus being truth, standing in front of Pilate, Pilate not recognizing it, totally blinded, totally deaf, looking at truth, standing in front of him, suppressing it. There is not a record of Pilate surrendering his life to the king of kings. So as far as we know, he continued to live in unbelief. The very truth, the person standing in front of him, God, truth, missed it. Again, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But this quote, as Pilate asked this question, Jesus said, I am, I am truth, gives us the answer to the question. Here's the, here's the quote. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Even more to the point, truth is the self-expression of God. Because the definition of truth flows from God, truth is theological. Truth is also ontological, meaning it is the way things really are. Therefore, God is the author and source, the ultimate standard and the final judge of all truth. Jesus, then, is the perfect expression of truth. Jesus saying as well, multiple times, that the word of God is truth. And so we have access to him, access to Jesus in relationship, who is truth, to be able to flow in conversation with individuals, living our lives out in authenticity before them, sharing the gospel and making a difference. Unbelief suppresses the truth. We also see unbelief produces false worship. Look at verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts, those who are lost, those who are living in unbelief to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. You've probably heard the phrase before. Everyone worships something or someone. Many, looking in the mirror, worship the individual they see. Displacing the rightful king from the throne and placing themselves on it. False worship. We've also heard the phrases before. As long as I don't hurt anyone, as long as I don't do something that would damage someone else, uh, then, then uh, my sin will stay contained and unaffected. But we know in our lives, as we sin, small or Large, not that God qualifies sin, but as we sin, it affects other people. It affects our attitudes, our actions, and our words towards those around us. 
And others can see the effects of it in our lives. It does affect. A child walks away from the Lord, regardless of age. Parents who walk with God, that child saying, what's right for me is right for me. I have no interest in God. I'm choosing to suppress the truth. I'm going to worship something else. Or even saying agnostic, atheist. Of course, those we know are beliefs in themselves. Anyone who claims either one of those is a belief. Surprisingly, because in the Old Testament, we see the verse that says, even the demons believe in God and tremble. So for those who resist or reject or suppress God, the reality is they've seen him at some point or at the hand of God or relationship somewhere. There's been evidence of him all over. So they they choose not to follow. So in these settings where these individuals are rejecting the creator, worshiping self, worshiping whatever it is, holding to different beliefs, rejecting the truth, the very person of Jesus happens all around us all day long. So these parents who have these kids that say, I reject, their sin doesn't stay contained to them, does it? Parents who have had kids walk away, what does that do to you? Who are walking with Jesus, it crushes your hearts. Many of us have conversations about that about your kids who are grown and are are choosing to stay away from what they know is right. Their sin is not contained to themselves. It's heartbreaking. So our response is what? We intercede for them. James 5, 16 is a great verse for us to hold on to, that the righteous person that prays, that intercedes, God hears, and he works much into their lives. So that's our first line for them is to pray for them. Do we stop loving those around us that reject the truth, that walk away? Do we cut it off and say, you're done, I never want to have contact with you again? Is that what Jesus did? What about the woman at the well? Deeped in sin. What did he tell her? He said, go and sin no more. He loved. What about the woman standing before those who were the religious leaders that were about to stone? Stone her, put to death. Put her to death because of her sin. What did Jesus say? The one who was without sin cast the first stone. See, we, we all have this disease that's in us from birth. Every one of us, sin. And many have chosen to reject it over and over again. Our sin does not stay contained. Finally, we see unbelief results in death. Two kinds of death. Physical going to happen to all of us unless Jesus comes back first, takes us home. We're all going to experience physical death, regardless of what that looks like. The second is spiritual. The Bible is saturated talking about heaven and hell. They are literal, real places. And you know as well as I do, conversations that we have with people, that is not a common belief any longer in our world. But they are real, literal places. Hebrews 9, 27 to 28. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. We all have one shot in this world, and that's it. And none of us 
will face the king at judgment once we pass, believer or not, with anyone else next to us. It will be us and the king. And there's one difference, primary difference that will be seen in that moment. Either the blood of Jesus covers your sin because you surrendered your life to him, or it doesn't. If the blood of Jesus covers your sin, eternity is secured. If it doesn't, eternity is secured. Separated from God in hell. Our lives, our mission, our passion for Jesus, making a kingdom difference in this world and sharing the gospel is critical, especially in these days. Unbelief results in death. Today we've seen that unbelief suppresses the truth, produces false worship, and results in death. If we ended the message there, that would be a lot of bad news to carry home. But you know as well as I do, there is good news. The good news that Jesus came, lived, died, rose again, perfect, giving us opportunity to have life in him, becoming our substitute, taking our sin upon himself on the cross. If we would just ask for forgiveness, repent of our old life, surrender our lives, and run to him. As we do that, he radically changes us from the inside out. And in that moment, when that happens for us, security the security of the believer followers of Jesus, no one can snatch that person out of the Father's hands. It's set, it's done. And walking an aisle or praying a prayer or do something like that isn't what happens and what, what makes it right or what makes a relationship with Jesus. Those are a part of it, but what makes it is our giving our very lives to him. Do you remember, followers of Jesus, what that moment was like for you? Willing to do anything, abandon your life for him. David and Phyllis going to Africa on mission. You three going to India, this team going to Colorado. Mission Southside, locally, going and loving on kids. A primary ministry of this campus. Sharing the gospel at work and at home and seeing our lives as God's called us to. God has given each one of us a mission. So today the question is this. Are you found in this moment in unbelief? If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, that is your life. Unbelief, regardless of the reason. But in your life, in this moment, as you've heard his word and you've heard his message today, God is speaking directly into your life saying, you don't have to stay there. I love you and I want a relationship with you is exactly what God is telling us. He's telling you. And so if you're in this room in unbelief, he has a great story for you ahead. He has a great love for you that is unfailing. And he wants you to experience life. If you would just surrender. If you're living in belief, how is it making a difference? Do people even know? Are you living on mission? Where are you today? Let's pray.